One of those days when we looked at the news or had to think about the podcast and thought, oh, we don't have anything to talk about. And then we had a quick look and there's actually quite a lot. <laughs> it's always a way, isn't it? It always is. Um, so we're going to be talking about how rents are going up. We're talking about tenants and landlords taking each other to NCAT or not. We're talking about buildings going up above sports clubs and whether you should be named and blamed if you complain. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the Flat Jack column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams and I write about property for Domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So rents are going up. Yes, absolutely. So there's new reports coming out last week and this week all about unit rents for the September 2022 quarter. Mm. And uh, it's interesting because house rents are going up hugely and unit rents are going up quite a lot as well. And I mean, as as we know, during COVID, lots of people favoured houses rather than units, but units rents are really kind of catching up quite quickly. Yeah, I heard a bit about it on the radio this morning, and they were saying that a lot of overseas students are coming back and overseas workers are coming back. But I think they said there was a record number of visa applications from overseas mm. students wanting to come here. So that's really going to increase demand for units. Yes. And um, so there's going to be even more pressure on rents, really, because vacancy rates are already incredibly low. Mm. Um, so it's going to be very hard for, for, for many people, I think, looking for apartments to rent. Absolutely. It just cast my mind back to all those stories we had a couple of years ago about how people would overfill their units. Um you know, cramming in a dozen students into the one space. Um, I remember one of the, the stories was about a studio flat which had a lofted sleeping area. So you've got the ground floor and then up behind it a sleeping area, but it only takes up half the width so that it still shares the light from the window. Mm. And people were just getting joiners in to fill in the floor. Oh, my God. So they had you know, a, a, a false floor so they could cram more people into them. Um, it's like the, that movie where they had seven and a half levels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this, you know, and the people sleeping, they would put a mattress across the washing machine and dry, and dryer or, mm. and sink in mm. the laundry, and that was somebody's bedroom. Mm. And the amazing thing was a lot of these were overseas students. A lot of them had been contacted in their home countries by agents who would go to their parents and say, oh, we, uh, we'll look after all the accommodation for your, your kids when they're in Sydney or Melbourne or wherever. And then the kids would be absolutely appalled at what they found here, but mm. they never complained to their parents because that would they felt that would have brought shame on their parents. And as well, their parents are probably sacrificing a lot to send this to send the yeah, youngsters exactly. here as well to study so they don't want to kind of mess it up in any way. And so, the t- oh, how horrible. T- so these agents would go back to the same parents where the next couple of kids come along and say, oh, mm. you know, your, your first boy or girl did so well with me and they were so happy, I'll take the other ones too. And, you know, just kept the cycle going. Oh, it's horrible, isn't it, really? And then there were the stories about uh, sort of, landlords heavies demanding sex from young female students to give just to give them somewhere to live oh. they still have to pay rent obviously God, but that's horrendous isn't it so you know this is 
this is the future. This is、yeah. what is on the horizon right now because we have failed to provide enough housing. Yeah, that's right. And it, it's interesting. This last quarter, all these reports. This last quarter, houses went up by one point six percent. Yeah, rents. Yeah, units went up four percent. Wow, that's a huge difference. Yeah. So now you have to pay for a for a unit. A median kind of price for a unit is five hundred twenty dollars a week. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah,、that's、it over is over half a thousand dollars. It's a really I mean, just, interesting way of looking well, at it. Over two thousand dollars a month. Yeah, I mean that's a hell of a lot of money for students to to find, or for I, anybody to find, really. I mean, the economics are such that you know an apartment of that size, maybe a two bedroom apartment, could accommodate four students,、mm. and they could afford to pay. You know, one hundred and twenty-five dollars a week. Okay, but as a friend of ours said, "Oh, you try turning up when you're a bunch of students who want to share a flat to a local landlord and say,、mm-hmm. 'Oh, we are four Asian students. We want to share your flat.' They wouldn't even you wouldn't even get in the door. It's hard enough for people who are already here、mm-hmm. to get、yeah. rentals. You know, you were just reading stories about people turn up to to get." A rental property, and they they discover there's another thirty people. They and、uh, quite often the landlords don't even reply to their applications. Sure, and they often turn up and then are forced to offer like fifty dollars more to try、yep. and get the tenancy. Yeah, which pushes、so、up. This is、people. why the rent's going up、mm. four, by four percent. You、yep. know, it's and what, and you kind of think there are so many families in there as well. You know, families with kids、yep. looking for places to rent and trying to squeeze the whole family into a. A one-bedroom apartment or a two-bedroom apartment, where really they they would need much more space normally, but they just can't afford the space. In the same week, we read Anthony Roberts, a planning minister, has rejected an application for a fancy apartment block down at Barangaroo,、mm. and his reasoning seemed to be that ordinary Australians would not be able to afford to buy in this place in a million years. Which is an extraordinary thing to say, isn't it? When you look at <laughs> the rest of Barangaroo, for I mean, a, a, a、yeah. right-wing member of a right-wing political yeah, party, yeah, who's very much in favour of developers, really. Yeah,、mm. but、uh, I wonder what is actually behind this. It, they're not going to put affordable housing down at Barangaroo any time soon, are they?、Mm, no, but you kind of think, well, there is an election in the offing. And、uh, it's a really—it's not a good look to have such an acute housing crisis, and then having luxury apartments being built in a space where you know the the height level was meant to be much more restricted than than it, they wanted it. And also, there's there's so much opposition against it too. And I, and I used to exercise at Observatory Hill.、Mm. There used to be a little group of us. We used to all exercise there, and you've got these amazing views of the harbour, and it would have kind of、oh, really impeded、gone. those views. Yeah. And, you know, from a really Important Sydney landmark that would have been shocking. But you know what is government doing apart from sitting around wringing their hands and saying, "Oh, you know, it's really difficult. There's all the supply、mm. chain stuff, and we got all these people coming in, and we want all these people to come in, and we got all these tourists coming in for Airbnb rentals, but we want that because that brings money in, and we need the money." I what think we, local、um, councils are doing something, aren't they? Lots of local councils are now arcing up about Airbnb and the other short-term platforms and saying, "Yeah." Please, investors, put your put your houses, put your apartments on residential lets because we just need them. People need them. But as I said in my column in, in the the Fin Review this weekend, 
I mean, people who are investors in property basically look around them and they feel stupid if they don't have their properties on Airbnb because you can make four or five times as much during the summer. Yeah, if they're in certain locations. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how big an impact that is. I mean, what we need to be doing is building more houses, building Mm. more apartment blocks. Mm. We've got to get rid of the NIMBY thing for a start. Mm. You know, people who live in, in suburbs where... You know, they all live in their little cottages and they don't want big buildings near them. Well, you've had it pretty good for a while. Mm. But people need places to live. People in your community, they've grown up in your community, they've gone to school in your community, they go to the church in your community, and they can't afford to live in your community because when they grow up, there's nowhere for them to live. Yeah, and as well, I mean, they kind of have to realise that there are huge advantages to living in areas of medium or high density. Yeah. You know, we live in a really high density area, yeah. and it's a fantastic. There's lots of amenities around, yeah. there's parks, there's yeah. shops, there's cafes. And there's lots of things that come with lots of people being in the same place. Yeah. And probably, I think a lot of people always look on the negative side and, and don't look on the positives, because there are huge positives to having you know, big apartment buildings around you. I mean, obviously not overshadowing you and it has to be well planned and the the ground plane has to be extremely well designed, but it can be a fantastic way to live. Yeah. And the other aspect of this is the relationship between the landlord and the tenant. This was highlighted in a story in the Sun-Herald this morning where the tenants' union, Leo Patterson Ross, is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, yep. has pointed out that there are seventy percent of complaints to NCAT about rentals are from the landlords, and only thirty percent are from the tenants. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of these are eviction notices because people can't afford to pay because rent. they can't afford to yeah. pay the rent. And and he actually pointed out that there isn't enough government support for tenants, but there also isn't enough government support for landlords whose tenants can't afford to pay the rent. Mm. And, you know, yeah. it's a two-way street. I mean, sure. Leo is a pretty smart guy, and he realises that, you know, landlords are not all evil Rachman. No, not at all. Uh, mm. types, if any, that means anything to anybody who remembers <laughs> London in the 1960s. Uh, but uh, I actually saw somebody wrote something recently about the landlord and said he was a real Rachmaninoff type. <laughs> I thought, oh, right, it's a composer. How nice. But uh, most landlords are reasonable people who just want a reasonable return for their investment and they don't want any hassles and they don't want their property to be destroyed and most tenants are quite happy to fulfill their part of that arrangement the problem is when they lose their jobs or they're they're not getting paid enough or all their other costs are going up as they are Mm. cost of living is going up and the one thing that would fix this for a lot of tenants certainly would be more choice in places to live. But to get back to the thing about going to NCAT, one of the reasons that landlords take their tenants to NCAT is because they're not paying the rent and they, they threaten to evict them. But it turns out, according to this article, that in most cases, they end up coming up with a payment plan. Mm. So it's a kind of last resort thing. Yeah. And but why would it be such a last resort? You know, if if tenants have problem paying rent, then property managers always say, look, tell us as soon as you're having difficulties and we can work out a payment plan, we can work out a way because 
most landlords, as you say, are quite reasonable and they, they don't want the idea of, they don't want to lose good tenants. No. They want to make sure their tenants can be happy and can fulfill their obligations. So, but I think what yeah. you're missing out in that is that it's not a relationship often directly between the landlord and the tenant. There's often a rental agent in there. Yeah, but and that, that property rental- manager, the rental agent should be proactive and should, you know, tenants should be feel very com- confident about approaching the property manager. And well, that- they should, but the property manager sitting there going, oh, I've got this person who's lost their job or whatever, or they've fallen off their Uber Eats delivery bike or whatever, and they're not. They're saying, oh, they'll get me the rent and in a couple of weeks and they still haven't come up with the rent. Mm. Meanwhile, I've got 30 people banging on my door saying, I want to get an apartment in that building or in that area. The easiest thing for me to do is get rid of the people who won't pay the rent, take the the rental money out of their bond and put somebody in at a higher rent. Mm. So that's partly the problem is, as we say, most landlords we believe are reasonable people. Rental agents are the real weak link in this whole... Mm, They can be, yeah. yeah. This whole situation. So, yeah, so what the government needs to do is build more houses for people or flats for people to rent. Government should just say, here's some government land, let's build some flats. We'll sell them on at the end, but we're going to take the risk of building the the buildings. Mm. But the trouble is, ideologically, certainly the Liberal government couldn't even tolerate that idea of building social housing. It mm. so goes against the grain for them. Sure. I mean, one small industry which is getting bigger is the build-to-rent sector, yep. which offers a lot of hope for a lot of people. Yep. Although those, those rents are often a bit higher, yep. but at least they offer security of tenure. And they offer often, you know, really good facilities and, and great quality apartments because they want people to stay there for the long term. Well, there'll be an escape valve. You know, they'll take the pressure off the lower end of the market, the mm. people who can afford to spend a bit more and who want the security of tenure. They'll move into those apartments mm. when they're built. But when are they getting built? I mean, are they being built now and how long is it going to take? They are, but you know, it's not. It's a growing sector, but it's not as big as it should be. I mean, it's it's much more advanced in in the US and Europe and in Britain. Yeah. But here, it's only just kind of starting, really. Yes. So, um, but hopefully, in a few years' time, it will the build to rent sector will take up a much larger proportion of rentals. And the reason it's progressing in Europe and America faster than here is because they don't have this stupid idea that somehow renting a property is a sign of failure. Mm, that's right. Yep. Yeah. That's right. People want to rent because they want to spend their money on other things. They might want to spend it on a business or, yep. you know. Or they want flexibility. Mm. They want to be, I mean, one of the worst things in apartments is you buy an apartment in a building, it turns out that all your neighbours are idiots. <laughs> but you've bought. I mean, if you want to move, you've got to, you got to, you got to sell again. You've got to, the whole stamp duty thing. It's not an easy thing to do. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people who are renters will go, "Hey, these people around me are idiots and horrible. I'm just going to go and six months my lease is up. I'm going to go and live somewhere else." Mm, yeah, absolutely. So there are advantages. Mm. Okay, when we come back, we are going to talk about. Something that's kind of related, and that is how a lot of sporting clubs are selling or using their airspace to build apartments. That's after this. And we're back. So this weekend we read that uh, South Sydney Juniors Club 
um, which is a very successful club in the eastern suburbs down Randwick Way, have just been given permission to double the height of their apartment block that they're building above their club. Mm. Now, this is part of a trend that you've been following quite closely. Absolutely, because there's lots of social clubs and sporting clubs around Sydney that struggle to be able to support themselves, really. Right. You know, they might have an ageing membership or, you know, there's lots of other competition from regular clubs and commercial operations for the dollar. So um, lots of them, their facilities are maybe crumbling a little bit. Their buildings aren't being maintained very well. So lots of them now selling their ground to developers and in return, the developers help them refurbish their clubs or give yeah. them a bit of space within the development to keep going. And at the same time, they're able to get some of the revenue from the apartments being built as well. So, I mean, it's a real win-win because some of these um, clubs have really fabulous positions. I mean, the yeah. one last year that caught our attention was the Waverley Bolo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I think Mervac is building an under-55s development there. Yeah. But they're keeping the bowling the, ground Is it under-55s or over-55s? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, thank you. under-55s is called Club Med. <laughs> They're over 55 housing um, and they're also refurbishing the club and keeping the ground there yeah. and giving them much better facilities. So that's yeah. that's hopefully going to be a success story. And, I mean, lots of clubs now are looking, looking at it. I mean, you look at the, the West Tigers Leagues Club. I mean, that's been a disaster for a long time in Brazil. They yeah. had that big building. Yeah. And the New South Wales government said that they needed it as their dirt dump for the Western Harbour Tunnel. Oh, yeah. Nice. And they finally decided that they don't need it any longer. So... After 12 years of the club being shuttered, the the original developers who wanted to develop apartments, I think something like 160 apartments above the club, yeah. have now been given permission to proceed. And they're right. kind of building a retail centre there and a, a town square. I mean, a big $400 million development. Yeah. But it's been on hold for all these years, partly because the New South Wales government kept saying, oh, yeah, we need it. And then finally right. they say, we don't need it. Yeah. And now the developers could well sue the government for loss of income for all they these could, years. So that's kind of a bit of a disaster in many ways, but hopefully it will be a brand new beginning for the club too. But there was also issues there that uh, Victoria Road, which goes past that club from the Anzac Bridge through past Dremoyne, mm. it was a horrendously busy road anyway. Yeah. And, they were, and people were saying, if you're going to build a block of apartments here, it's just going to be a nightmare, mm. as has happened elsewhere in Sydney and the inner west. But... I think what these tunnels, the dirt from which they were going to dump <laughs> there, mm. will actually ease a lot of the traffic on on that road. So sure. it could be quite a, a quite a smart development. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's not new. I mean, do you remember the Harold Park, the old Harness Racing Club? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that that was obviously became um, the the big new housing development there. Mm. And people that we know who live there really like it. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's kind of gaining momentum now. I think clubs are thinking, well, actually, this seems to be working for lots of people. Let's give it a go as well. Yeah. At the moment, we've got the City Tattersalls Club in the Sydney CBD. Yeah. And that's having a 50-storey tower with 240 apartments above it. That's, that's going ahead at the moment. And there's golf clubs which have which have kind of 
had apartments built uh, golf ar- around. Clubs. <laughs> golf clubs are another, a whole other issue. People invest in golf clubs and then they discover that the golf course is common property, which when they're investing there, they're told, hey, you'll be a part owner of the, the golf course. You're great. <laughs> and then the green fees, not the green fees, the maintenance fees and the yes. yeah, landscaping very and all expensive, that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and meanwhile, the original developer has off in the horizon looking for the lost balls. <laughs> there are some success stories there, but there are also some disasters. You just have to be careful. Yeah. yeah. And there are some specialist brokers now who come in and help clubs to negotiate those deals because they recognize that, you know, for the unwary, uninitiated, there can be terrible pitfalls. And so they come in and they provide expertise and allow them to kind of work with developers to hopefully mutual advantage, really. Right. And, and of course, we've got the ScoMo Zone Club, the Cronulla Sharks. We've got right. that big Bullaware Bay development there as well, which is incredibly popular. Right. You know, every new stage that comes up sells out really? very, very quickly. So it's all go yeah. down at the club? Yeah, no, it's the Bondi Junction Club going on. No, you know, there's so many going on now. And, um, well, that's going to be a good new source of housing. Yeah. And, um, and obviously those clubs, you know, the people who buy apartments around those clubs, they're going to be able to hopefully become members of those clubs as well to try and help rejuvenate the clubs too. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're over 55 and wanting to live in a bowling club. (laughs) The constant clatter of bowls outside. Creaking of knees. Creaking of knees. That would, uh, a lot of people would quite like that. I do remember somebody who'd uh, worked in the civil service in London and his office was being moved to Glasgow. And uh, he called up one of his mates who was one of the, the early people to go there. And he said, what's it like up there? What's it like in Glasgow? He'd never actually visited. Mm. He said, oh, it's good. We've got this great big, you know, six-bedroom house. And he said, the only thing is the the swearing, the constant swearing from over the fence. And the guy said, oh, what's wrong? Is it a pub car park or something? He said, no, it's a golf course. (laughs) (laughs) (gasps) When Mm. we come back, uh, we are going to talk about something that's driving... Somebody barking mad. <laughs> if you can hear Sound, that. If you can, if you hear, can hear, that. hear a dog barking in the distance. Or more yeah. to the point, parking mad. Mm. That's after this. Here at Flat Chat, we are always telling people that one of the benefits of apartment living is that you can just lock up and leave when you want to take a holiday. Well, if you're looking for some inspiration on where to go to make the most of your freedom, take a look at mildrover.com, our website for seasoned travellers. It has news, reviews and special travel deals in which you can literally save thousands of dollars. That's M-I-L-D-R-O-V-E-R dot com, the website that takes you somewhere fantastic, even if you don't leave home. So here you are, once again, Strataguru of the week. This is so much pressure every time. Jimmy. So I'm just you interested. Never warn in, me. Can't I'm you just, tell me in advance? I'm just interested in your opinion on on your wisdom on this. So somebody's written to us and said, like many buildings around, residents in her building treat visitor parking as spare parking for their extra cars. Even though the bylaws say residents are not allowed to park in visitor parking, even though their development uh, approval from the council will say this is visitor parking not resident parking residents park there it mm. happens everywhere mm. this person has written to us and said that she has complained to her committee or strata committee many times about this 
And now the Strata Committee has said we are not accepting anonymous complaints anymore. If you want to complain about this, you have to put your name on it so we can put it in the minutes that you have complained. And she is saying, great, now I'm going to get my car keyed and Mm, or whatever, you know. But that, that's kind of ridiculous because when somebody makes a complaint, it's not really going to be anonymous to the strata committee, is it? They're going to know who it is. Yeah. So they know it's authenticated. They don't yeah. They don't need to name the person and put them in the minutes at all. So no. it just seems to be spiteful, really. Oh, absolutely. And, and one suspects that somebody on the committee is one of the people who's doing the illegal oh, parking. Yeah. Yep, that's quite a possibility. So a couple of people have written to the forum and said – there is absolutely no law that requires your name to be provided when you make a complaint to your committee. It's different if you go to NCAT. Mm. If you go to Fair Trading, you've got to put your name. Yep, sure. But if within the, the committee, within the community, people can make anonymous complaints. Mm. I mean, we've had this here where the, we've had the argument about naming and shaming and blaming people. Mm. And it's ridiculous, you know, because mm. it is used, I was going to say judiciously, it mm. is used Can injudiciously, yeah. r- uh, randomly, that there are some people who will make complaints and you don't get their name and you t- other people make complaints and they get the name and address, blood group and phone number. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. and, I, and I think there should be a blanket law that says, unless it's for specific valid reasons, internal communications should maybe give the lot number mm, to, yeah. to validate the complaint Yeah, because nobody knows what the lot number is. Mm, no, that's right. I know that a lot number of our parking space, because <laughs> it's easy, <laughs> but I don't know. I actually no. don't know the, the number of our apartment. and We've lived here for 20 years. Mm. So put the lot number in uh, to validate the complaint Mm. Don't name people. That is just bullying. It's just a yeah. form of bullying. Yeah. And uh, I, and I think that's one of the things that they should change in strata law. Not that they seem well, very interested. Well, there's another review of is, strata law coming up, isn't there? Is there? So yes, I think so. Is anybody paying any attention to mm. it? Mm. Don't know yeah. about that really. Has anybody seen any proposals that we can express opinions about? No. So I'm thinking it's not coming. Anytime soon. <laughs> it won't be up before the next podcast. Mm. All right, Sue. So now you're rushing off to do other things now. And uh, thank you for making time to come and talk to us and give us the benefit of your wisdom. Well, I don't think I displayed much wisdom there, did I really? Because I just said what I thought and then you just put me to rights, really. I agreed with you. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, no, no, you said about how the anonymous lot number, which was a much better idea, really. All right. I just... Um, <laughs> I just put the icing on your cake. Oh. <laughs> uh, thank you again, and thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Rap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.